Welcome to the Teachers Who Quit podcast, the number one podcast for teachers who quit or really want to. And I'm your host, Tierney, your ex-teacher bestie. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, Allison. I'm so excited to have you on the Teachers Who Quit podcast. And to kick us off, I'd love it if you just give us a little sneak peek introduction of your background. Yes. So my name's Allison. I run a platform called Alameet Social on TikTok and Instagram, but I was a art teacher from Arkansas for five years. I actually really liked it, but I started a teacher talk and teacher gram. And if you listen to this podcast, you probably know what that is. And I really started falling in love with social media and the powers of social media and how different people could use it to give them more opportunity. And in a roundabout way, and we'll talk about how I ended up leaving my job and becoming a social media manager. And now I specialize in TikTok and Reels management. So that's kind of where I started, where I'm at now. Love that. And so let's take it back to the beginning. So tell us a little bit about your teaching journey. So what was that initial point that kind of sparked the interest of, hey, I want to become a teacher? Yeah, so I um, loved art in school. I'm very type A, straight A's the whole time I was in school, but I was super anxious kid. I've been diagnosed with ADHD in the last couple of months, and so it's all kind of making sense now. Um, but art was the, I was an art teacher, and art was really the only space in the school that I felt like I could relax and chill out, and me being good at test scores and just being the perfect student didn't really matter. And so I started like really loving art in elementary. Um, and then as I got into middle school, junior high, high school, I started um, doing advanced art. I got scholarships for art in college. And it kind of just seemed like the next logical step um, to become an art teacher. And really, I wanted to be like a graphic designer because that was an art thing. But I was almost done with my degree in that. And I took an elective as an art education course. And I fell in love with all of my internship experiences and with being able to teach it. And so I ended up with bachelor's degrees in both. And instead of going to graphic design, which is what I originally planned, I decided to go into teaching. And um, it really just seems like the natural next step for me. I've always really enjoyed it as a job. I never was like, this is 100% what I want to do for my entire life. Like, period. Um, and so I always felt kind of like an outcast in that way. Um, but that's kind of like what got me into the field. Love hearing that. Okay. Um, cause you answered a couple questions that I had. I was like, Oh, I wonder what, what subject did she teach? How long did she teach? So glad you already touched on that. So art, and you said that you did it for five years. So mm -hmm. it was, and you probably mentioned this, but it was elementary. No, I actually didn't mention it, but I taught um, high school for two years and then junior high for three. Oh, wow. Okay, mm -hmm. awesome. So um, loving the graphic design background, and I'm sure that serves you very well in your work now with like TikTok and Reels and all of that stuff, which I can't mm -hmm. wait to dive into. But um, I would love to, if you could kind of paint the picture of what kind of schools did you teach in. So 
For example, I always share with people, hey, I serve in Title I schools. That's where I have always spent my time in education um, as far as teaching goes and being an administrator. So, you know, my um, students truly were minority backgrounds, mostly Hispanic and Black like myself. So low socioeconomic status as well. What kind of schools did you serve in? Yeah, so it's really an interesting um, dichotomy because I started in one school and ended in a different school and they were complete opposites. Um, But I live in like, I lived in suburban Arkansas. And so not what people would traditionally think of as Arkansas, not very rural, um, very diverse in those spaces. Um, But then I could never find a job in those towns. And so I ended up teaching in rural Arkansas, which was a huge culture shock for me. Um, meaning that my schools were 95% white, um, meaning that they were very conservative and that it was it was hard because like my family is all from cities like my mom grew up um, in Chicago. And so it was I was not really raised um, to be in the spaces that I then found myself teaching. But um, for the first two years, I taught in a Title I school. Um, and it was really, really, really challenging. Um, I was the only art teacher. There was no art program. I built the art program and it was probably a couple of the hardest years of my life. But at the same time, I felt like I made the most difference, um, that I ever have. And then I, but I made like $32,000 a year. Um, yeah. And then I, um, switched to uh, another school, which was more, Kind of like the, it was still a rural school, but it was very much like top test scores in the state, parents super involved, like almost swinging the opposite direction. And um, I still found myself um, struggling a little bit with burnout and with working a lot, but not as much because I felt not as much of that pull towards like doing everything I could for the students. Um, And that's honestly when I started like exploring different things outside of the classroom because I felt like I had a little bit more of the emotional and mental space to do so. But it was challenging. And like you said, is like I taught in Title I school. It was probably the hardest and best experience that I ever had as a teacher. But then when I switched, it was like my life got easier. But then I felt like I was making a little bit less of a difference and there were other problems. And so I feel like they're being in both spaces. I experienced like opposite problems, no parental involvement, extreme parental involvement, that kind of thing. No, totally. Um, wow. I can imagine how different those communities serving in them, um, <laughs> how that experience was. And so um, I would love to dive a little bit into what you were sharing about when you started to experience burnout, because my question for you is, where was that initial moment where you said, hmm, I'm thinking about quitting teaching? When was that first moment popping into your mind? So it's really interesting. Like my first couple of years is actually when I experienced the greatest burnout. And I really started changing my life and diving a lot into mindset and mental health. And I got a therapist and I I started dealing a lot with like my own issues that were contributing to that. I did a lot of research on the back end of how teachers can prioritize themselves. Um, and even that's kind of when I started my teacher gram of like, this is my journey being a teacher, trying to do the best that I can, and also trying to prioritize my health and mental well-being. And so that's actually when I experienced really bad burnout. I had some really like traumatic, um, I was diagnosed with PTSD after a few different um, experiences I had at my first school um, that were very much like traumatic experiences. Um, when I went to my second school, though, I did start like my life got a lot easier and I, I stopped having that burnout. And by the time the pandemic hit, 
I was like, okay, like I'm actually getting good at this. It was like my fourth year of teaching. I felt like, okay, like this was getting easier. But at the same time, like I still, like I would go home. I've always had a part-time job, by the way, literally the entire time I've been teaching. I've always had a side hustle. I would go home and I would want to work on my side hustle more than I would want to work on stuff for teaching. And that kind of switched in like year three and four. I would want to be on social media. I would want to be learning about marketing. I would want to be like running my wellness groups and things like that. Um, And then during the pandemic, was I didn't even really experience burnout. Like I was teaching in person and virtually at the same time, but like not at the same time, like we weren't allowed to teach at the same time. So I taught, like I had to do it different times. So that way I could publish and it was a whole thing. Um, And it was hard. It was really hard. The thing that actually gave me like the aha moment where there were a few different things. I didn't even have a moment, which I feel like most people say that they do is I like, for one, part of the reason that I was staying a teacher and that I, I never wanted to explore anything else is because I loved traveling. I traveled every single summer. I did not want to give up those summers off. Well, COVID kind of eliminated the need for, like, I mean, I didn't, I was like, okay, like, this is very stressful. And like, what is the upside right now? Um, and then, but really like the thing that was like so hard for me is because I was a social, um, I was in social media as a teacher and I saw people say things like, stop dancing, get back to work. Um you don't teach anyway, Um, stop being lazy, Um, like you make plenty in the midst of like, you know, you have seven, seven COVID positive students in your classroom, you're still teaching, you're risking like your life and yourself. And like, that doesn't feel good. And so seeing the societal disrespect actually pushed me out of teaching more than anything else, because I was just like, we don't get paid enough for this. And also like, I feel like, the growth opportunity, the ability for me to do other things in my life. I felt like, I just felt like there were opportunities outside of this to which I could be treated a little bit better. And, you know, like I'm a good employee. Like I was really, I tried my absolute best all the time. I did 120% of my job all the time and I never felt like it was enough. And um, I decided to just like start looking into other things. And I found social media management on TikTok and virtual assisting and people doing all these online things. And I was like, well, I'm already doing side hustles. Maybe I could like see how this goes. And it it went well, (laughs) but yeah. The societal disrespect. Wow. Okay. So out of all the guests that I've interviewed thus far, you're the first one to mention, like that was kind of what really pushed you out a little bit or so to speak. Um, encouraged you more so to make that decision of giving yourself kind of permission to pivot away from the classroom. And I definitely know what you're talking about because, you know, on my TikTok for the podcast, I have shared stories that other people send me in or that I find online and I keep people's identity anonymous. And one of them, it probably has about over 200 uh, views at this point. And the comments that I've had to filter through because people, one, who have never taught in their lives, and then some people who just have, it seems like zero level of empathy, comment such rude things to people. And I'm like, okay, well, you're not saying it to me because I'm just sharing the story, you know, that was sent to me or that I found online that belongs to someone else. And seeing kind of how rude some people are to, you know, those individuals who are transparent and vulnerable enough to share, you know, their experience. It's like, wow, it is a very high level of disrespect. It's quite appalling, to be honest. And I think that's why a lot of people, 
even when you look on, especially, oh, I have my own opinion <laughs> on Teacher Graham. I love Teacher TikTok for a reason, okay? Because Teacher Graham, mm, I have my opinions on that. I try to stay uh, away from that because I'm just like, okay, y'all are literally in a fantasy world. And it's just like everything is posh, perfect. And it's just like, okay. It's like the toxic positivity for me. But it's interesting, though, being like in the teacher gram and teacher TikTok space. And then yes. transitioning to being in a former TikTok space because my TikTok was mm. started and had 7,000 followers before I started it, transitioning it. And right. it's really interesting scene because I got negative comments when I was a teacher. Like it would yeah. be like me dancing in the most positive, like what, like I would just be not even being controversial. I'd just be dancing or I would yeah. call out something that it was BS, especially during the pandemic. Um, right. And I got a lot of negative commentary and a lot of negative like DMs and a little bit of harassment with having that little amount of followers. But it's been really interesting because as I've transitioned into former teacher talk, you get the same thing. And so it's like, I, I find that teachers and females and people in like, quote unquote, pink, pink professions, right? Um, there's nothing you can do right. There's literally nothing you can do right. The only thing that you can do right is sit down and shut up. Because um, when I was a, a teacher, it was like, oh, well, if you don't like it, just quit. And then I'm like, okay, I quit. And then it's like, oh, you're selfish. So I'm like, well, what, <laughs> what did you want from me? You are preaching on that. Um, and you know what? I just found out about that terminology, the pink collar. Um, I, I I, I do not know what her TikTok is, but something. There's a nurse that has, that talks about it and that I, it, or somebody that talked about it that I was like, oh my gosh, wow. Yeah, wow. no, I think her TikTok is like something bunny teacher or something like that. And uh, cause I've seen her engage with my posts a couple of times too. And then like, she came up on my FY, I think it's FYF now they call it or FYP, whatever. And I was like, oh, pink collar. That's a very interesting terminology. Had never heard of it before. And I'm like, wow. Okay. So um, those professions that are dominated by women mostly. And yes, you, you are pulling out some true gems right there that, um, it's like we can't win for losing. Like nobody's happy either way. And that should give you even more fuel to just choose you and whatever, you know, works for you. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to please anyone. Um, it reminds me of when I started being an administrator this year. Um, my um, principal at the school where I'm at now, she said, you know, listen, Tyranny, you can be as sweet as peach pie. And there's someone that's going to hate peach pie. And that, you know, has always stuck with me because it's like, I really went into administration because I wanted to do better. I thought of myself and how I was suffering as a teacher. And I said, I, I want to make things so much better for former me, you know, and for teachers who are in that same position. And you get into the work really well, meaning, and then you will realize that just because human nature you can do, you can bend all the way backwards and someone will still not be happy with you. Mm -hmm. And um, that's been a very interesting thing for me to come across in this work. Um, but I, I really love what you're saying there. And so with that, you talked about mental health and um, I think that's super important too. And, you know, people want to say all the time about those self-care PDs that the school forces them to attend. That's not really what people mean by that. I always talk about, you know, the best thing I can do for my teachers is give them their time back because that's really what's most valuable to them at the end of the day to spend it however they need to. And so instead of like, um, 
giving chips and the, the drinks down the hallway and being and with the little cheesy quotes, how about you just, you know, give teachers what they're asking for, which is more time. Um, the school um, district where I work now, they give days called rest and renew days. And they added that mm -hmm. to this spring because people are like, we need time for ourselves. And instead of, you know, doing a cheesy PD, they decided, hey, we're going to do rest and renew days. And I really respected that and appreciated that as well, because I know even as admin, I'm needing it too. <laughs> um, so how long was it before you actually quit, like before you turn in your resignation from that initial moment where you said the thought came into your mind, which was during the pandemic, and you kind of saw how society was treating, you know, the pink collar workers, specifically teachers, as you mentioned, to that day where you were like, I'm out, resignation turned in. How long was that gap? So I didn't actually mention this earlier, but it was interesting because teaching during, we only taught, I taught from home from March to May, and we went back that next August. Um, we didn't have a longer time like some people did um, teaching virtually, but I really liked working from home. So a bug was a little bit in my head, like this would be really cool sometime because like taking like being able to have a slow morning, taking my dog on a walk, not commuting 45 minutes a day, which is what I've done for five years. And so which is now given the gas situation, I'm like, wow, dodgeable there. But um, so it's just like that kind of stuff um, also kind of had it in my brain space. But I think I... So I started learning about virtual assisting in April. This is where I I looked up the date the other day on March 15th um, is when I bought a like a $40 virtual assistant prep like kit or whatever. And I started learning about it and I put in my resignation on like May 2nd. So it was pretty quick, actually. Um, and, and part of it, too, is we wanted to move. Um, I was interviewing for a job in the area we wanted to move in, which I live in now. I got to like round five of interviews. It was not a teaching job. Um, it was a social media job and I had no experience with social media management, but it was a social media job for an art museum. And that gave me the confidence to actually be like, okay, well, I actually can do, I don't know why there were five interviews for an art museum, but that's where we were at. Um, but it gave me the confidence like, okay, well, I actually do have skills, even though this isn't what I have my degree in. But also my husband was just like, okay, why don't we move anyway? And he actually gave me the confidence to be like, okay, like I'm going to quit my job. I can always go back. I have this whole summer to make this work. And that is the, that is the caveat and the gift of being a teacher is like, you're like, oh, dang, I only have this summer to like figure out something else. But at the same time, you're like, oh, I'm getting well, in my state, I got paid this that summer. And so I had some time to get paid for that other thing. And so I had some time to, to try it out, see if I liked it and make it work for myself financially. So it was really only like a month, like it was like six weeks in which I said, I think I want to do this thing. Now I'm going to quit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you bought the $40 um, product to help you, yeah. you know, transition into being a VA. So my question is, um, were you already like putting that into practice and getting some jobs, some clients for being a VA before you were like, okay, yeah, I can really maximize this in six weeks. I'm out. Yeah. And so that is for people that don't know, VA means virtual assistant. Um, and so I, um, I basically in May, I was, I finished that course in April. I had all my things together, like my portfolio, like all the things. Um, and then I started looking for clients in May. Um, I got six different clients in that month. I hustled every single day after school to try to find clients. And I said to each client, I will start for you June 1st. So <laughs> I, we sold our house like on May 15th ish. 
we moved on June, like, uh, like on May 29th. And then I started work for my six clients on June 1st, which my, I matched my teaching salary, my very first month as a um, virtual assistant. And so that was me basically saying like, this is what I need to do to prove this to myself, that this is going to be a thing. And so I hustled and made it happen. Now that wasn't the, those aren't the clients I stayed with. That's not the type of work I stayed with, but it proved to me that like, I can make this work. And I think teachers think, especially entrepreneurship or freelancing or anybody thinks this, to be honest, like it's very unstable and it's very much like, oh, what if I can't find clients? What if I can't find people? It's really never been, I mean, there have been months that are lower than others, but like it has never been hard for me to like meet what I made as a teacher ever. So that is something to like kind of think about in your brain space. Right, exactly. I love that. And so, okay, so those first six clients, you found them from what? Because, you know, I hear a lot of different things um, from people like Upwork or they just got on social and were able to attract their ideal clients there or, you know, they hopped in Facebook groups. What was kind of your way of attracting those ideal clients? Yeah. And well, I'm not here to talk shit about Upwork and Fiverr, but what I can tell you is as a freelance person, if you're already putting back money for taxes, um, retirement and health insurance, because you're going to have to figure out something else for that now if you don't have another option. And um, like if you're already putting back money for those, like I didn't want to give a percentage of whatever I was going to make to another company. Like that was why I never wanted to use Upwork and Fiverr. Now, if I was in a bad spot and I didn't feel like I could find a client, then maybe I would, but I've never had to. Um, the way that I've always done it is I've always used Facebook groups. Um, and basically like, this is where people mess up actually. So people go into Facebook groups and they go into like social media jobs, virtual assistant jobs, and they are like hundreds of thousands of virtual assistants in those groups. No, what you need to do is think about like, what are your interests? What are businesses that you have experience in? Who do you want to work for and get into places where those people exist? And maybe not even those people, but like the other people on their team are also in those groups generally. And so it would be like, like I have only ever worked for female entrepreneurs, not by rule, but just, it's just what's happened. Um, and so I was very much in fitness coaching groups cause I was super into wellness. I was in um, education groups. I was in um, female entrepreneurship groups. And I just started like, honestly, I just would search in those groups like Instagram or TikTok and I would just give free value. And then I would also search Instagram or TikTok hiring. And then I are like looking for, and then every once in a while, you would find somebody that's looking for something. And then that's how I found most of my people. Now, as I've grown, um, and like my first client ever was basically just for me being like, hey, like shout it to the world, by the way. Like a lot of people don't lean on their already existing networks. They're like, oh, I don't know any business owners or entrepreneurs. I didn't. But what I did know is like those people know people. And so my first client ever was actually from my Instagram and me just saying, Hey, like I'm leaving teaching this year. I want to help support businesses online. I have a lot of different skills. These are my skills. If you know anybody or if you need a virtual assistant um, or somebody to help you digitally, then I want to be your person. And somebody reached out to me and I worked for that person for four months. So, um, I mean, I think it has to be a multi-tiered approach a little bit, but Facebook groups has been my main gem for that. But now that I've grown my social media, I'm getting leads from TikTok. Twitter randomly, um, Instagram, and lots of different other avenues and referrals. So once you start working for people, they start talking about how awesome you are because teachers always go above and beyond anyway. And so, um, by the way, people were always like, wow, you're the only person on my team that never misses deadlines. And and that was like a what? Um, but teachers don't miss deadlines. We get shit done. So like for me, sorry if I can't cuss. Um, for me, like that was like the aha for me. It's like, wow, like we all have these skills 
And our skill is literally just trying really dang hard, but also having the growth mindset to learn the things that we don't know. And that's why I feel like teachers could be in this space, whether it be part-time or full-time, just because that is like actually a huge skill is being reliable and like learning to figure things out. Yes. <laughs> it's so funny that you talk about like teachers go above and beyond. They don't miss deadlines. I have found um, that. <laughs> If you be okay, if you transition into <laughs> being an administrator, you will find there are teachers who miss deadlines. And I'm just like, what's going on? Because I always think about myself as a teacher. I'm like, man, everything was turned in on time. But I realized, you know, that's a true gift, Allison. And a lot of people, even in teaching, don't have that ability to manage time and projects. I, it really blew me away stepping into being an administrator. Like, going on I don't know I was always just used to juggling like 10 million things <laughs> still getting it done but um yeah that's that's definitely a gift and people do appreciate that for sure mm -hmm. so with that what all did you do as a VA what were the different services that you were offering to these clients that you found either from Instagram or um, from the Facebook groups when I first started, I was like, if I know how to do it or if I think I can learn how to do it in a short amount of time, I'm going to apply for that job. So like for me, um, when I first started, like my first six clients, I was doing um, I was setting up workflows through like email marketing systems. So like, um, you know, the one people know very well is like MailChimp, but there are all these different email marketing systems um, and they all kind of work similarly. But with any kind of software there's literally a manual and a FAQ guide and a, a little bot online that helps you do things. And so when I first started, I, my, three of my clients were setting up like email automation systems and like writing their welcome email things. Um, one of my clients was doing course management. So I actually organized her course, um, which was actually geared towards teachers and well-being, which was really neat. Um, and so I organized and helped create resources for her course. I wrote the emails for her course. I really helped her set all of that up. Um, I did a couple of clients where I was doing, I wasn't their social media manager at that point, but I was doing like all their graphics or all of their, all of their writing. Like I, I had a client where I wrote literally every single word that came out of their mouth on email, social media, like anything. And so, and by the way, I was an art teacher, like I was an English person, but I, I guess I'm a decent writer because it kind of worked out for me in that way. Um, but yeah, I was doing all of these different tasks. And the reason I didn't stay a virtual assistant, and I don't think enough people talk about this enough is like, there's kind of a cap to what you can make as a virtual assistant, number one. Like people aren't going to pay like X amount of dollars an hour for a virtual assistant. Um, but also I was finding that virtual assistant was very much like do this and then the person goes and do does it. But I found that I really liked being more of a big picture thinker and being more of like a strategist and more of like a person that kind of helps their business instead of like a task rabbit a little bit. And so I found that I was loving the social media stuff. That was the stuff I wasn't procrastinating. And that's why I started learning more about social media management in particular, because I found that like, I didn't really want to like manage people's inboxes or manage their calendar. Um, even though at first I was like, this is awesome. This is super easy. Um, I really, the cool thing about entrepreneurship and being able to do something like this is you can literally go with the flow of things that you like. And that's something unique versus like teaching, because, you know, if you didn't like a class, not because of the students, because of the layout or whatever, right? If you didn't like a class, if you didn't like um, working with a particular parent, if you didn't like a, a coworker that you had to be on a project with, you couldn't just be like, no, I don't really think I want to work with you anymore. I'm going to go find like another class. 
Like that wasn't an option. And that actually is an option when you're in the freelance world. Like I can literally be like, I don't like you. I don't want to work with you or I don't love this job. Um, and this job is like not bringing me joy and I'm procrastinating it. And so things that I didn't like, like grading that I had to do anyway. Now, if I don't like something like bookkeeping, I don't have to do it. So that's kind of me. <laughs> yeah, no, who you are talking true <laughs> on that because like I even think about, um, now with my consulting business and when I'm helping these teachers who's struggling with these great behaviors and stuff like that now I have them initially I had a course where it's like go get it you know like I'm telling you the A to Z go apply it you know nobody's there holding your hand you have to hold yourself accountable you have to get it done if you want to see the results uh, and then I started pivoting to okay I'm gonna do this more one-on-one -on -one, but still like yes I'm working with you yes we're working together co-creating um, your ideal classroom community environment. But at the end of that call, it's up to you to put it into place and to get it done. And then um, from there, I said, you know what, I am going to like this summer, I offer a group coaching program for classroom management. And I'm like, okay, this is not a free for all. This is not even driven by money. At the end of the day, People are going to apply. You're going to hop on a call with them. If the vibes aren't working, you can say, thank you, but I do not feel we are a good fit to work together. Because, you know, if people are late, and I know life circumstances happen, but if people are like, you know, 10 minutes or so late to the call, or um, if, you know, they're just slow to do certain things a little bit, like kind of dragging their feet, I'm like, you know, I like really action taker people. I like people who are actually going to show up and do the work and different things like that. And, um, you know, those are the people that I'm really looking for. And if I'm able to see like, oh, you kind of wouldn't, you know, wouldn't get with the program, then I'm going to say, you know what, you might want to just buy this $5 product off TPT by this author because I'm not the best fit for you. And that's okay. And you, you're right. In teaching, I would have never had the luxury of being able to say thank you, but no thank you. It's like <laughs> you have to work with them, right? Um, so I love what you're saying on that. And you talked about how you ended up transitioning from the VA to what you're doing now, which mm -hmm. is with the social media management, but emphasis in TikTok and Reels. So mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about that transition and how did you niche down, so to speak, to that specific expertise. It's my favorite thing ever. And so I am now developing like a course for social media managers. But here's like the thing that that a lot of social media manager like coaches like teach that I don't agree with is they're like, go find a niche. Um, and a niche is like one of those things that is like a buzzword on every platform ever, but it's basically like, go find a specific group of people that you want to work with. And so you are going to work with teachers and you're going to do everything for teachers or teachers pay teacher sellers, which is great when you start. But at the same time, it's like you then have to learn how to do everything for that one group of people. And so you're not actually good at anything. You're good at that. You're good at that. Like. You're, I mean, you're good at stuff, but you're not great at anything. You're just great at serving that particular client. But what I like to do and what I like to teach is that like, okay, like what if you could specialize in a service? What if you could be like, I am this person? Because then, and since I've made the shift, by the way, people tag me in opportunities all the time. People refer me all the time because when somebody's like, I need help with TikToks and Reels, they think of me. And so what, how I actually transitioned to that is the same way I was just describing. I was doing 
well, there's two tiers to this. I was doing Instagram management for a lot of clients because Instagram was my first love. I loved Instagram. Um, we, you know, we have a love-hate relationship now because I feel like it's dying, but it's fine. Um, and anyway, so I was still doing Instagram management for clients and doing graphics for them and doing just still posts for them because a lot of them didn't want to do video content. Um, even though I was very big into it, they just didn't want to do it. Well, I was finding that I was making... And you know, I'm like, I made good graphics. Like they were really pretty. I have good words. I was like, okay, like this caption is like rocking. The hashtags are great. The picture is great. Like, but nobody is seeing it because you don't have a video strategy. And so part of it was like the platform was telling me like, this is working and this is not. And then part of it was like, whenever I went to like make Instagram graphics, um, whenever I went to make those posts, number one, it took a lot longer. Um, but number two, like there was this resistance for me to do it. Like it was like this, just like, Oh, like, I don't want to do it. And whenever I went and now, like, I literally like last night on the Sunday night and no Sunday scaries involved and not because I had to, I was editing a client's reels and TikToks um, to kind of get ahead for the week um, because I'm going on a cruise next week. And so like, I kind of want to get ahead. Yeah. And so like, it was just the thing that didn't feel like work. And that's kind of why that's what I gravitated towards. But it's also something not a lot of people do. So there are multiple different tiers to it. Um, it was a need in the market. It was easier. It was effective. Um, but also it was the thing that I liked, again, which is the complete gift, because if I would have liked writing the post, then I could have just been like, all I do is write social media posts. OK, and so that's how I recommend people kind of choose is like do a little bit of everything first. Totally fine. But then be like, OK, this is the task that I actually like doing and then do more of that, <laughs> like do less of the issue hate. Amen on that. Mm -hmm. So with that, I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about what all that entails. So I heard you touch on, you know, sometimes you're getting sent the content and then you edit it for the client. And then you kind of what's the workflow from there? You like send it back to them. They post or do you have access to their account to post for them? So here's the very annoying thing about TikTok and Reels management. Those devices aren't like so the content isn't like in the cloud, right? And so if somebody makes a TikTok on their device and then they save it to their drafts or reels, whatever, um, then the person across the world, if they log into your account, they cannot see that. And so that is actually the big challenge when it comes to TikTok management. So I offer um, it in a few different ways. The main way in which I offer it is like done with you. Um, and so I offer done for you, done with you in um, DIY, um, but done with you is my biggest offer. Um, and it's basically, or my, the most popular offer, because it's basically like, okay, I give them scripts. So I give them evergreen, which is things that they can do anytime. Um, and then, so they can do those things anytime. They're going to live on the app. They're going to be great. Um, and then I, um, every single week I send them trends in which I feel like are relevant to their industry. They can do them if they want to, they don't have to, because I already have all of this other content for them if they decide not to. Um, but then we just have, I teach them how to either screen record, or I teach them the best way to get those to me. A lot of them just record on their camera and send them to me. And I do a lot of editing and then we have a shared album. They throw the stuff in the shared album and then I edit and physically post for them. So I'm doing the strategy, the posting, all of those things. All they're doing is the only thing that they have to do, which is them showing up on camera. Um, because especially clients that have like large businesses, they're not going to want to, they're okay with being on camera. They're okay with doing that part of it, but they don't want to learn TikTok. They don't want to learn 
um, the algorithm. They don't want to sit there and edit it. Like that's not cool. And then usually I take that same piece of content and I edit it differently and I put it on reels. I even, depending on the client, I'll put it on YouTube shorts and even Pinterest idea pins. And so it's all about taking one piece of content and making it work for them where the only place they have to show up is like their face. And then I do the rest. Um, my main way to do that is TikTok. Now, then I also offer like DIY, which is where I give them the trends, but they're doing the posting and editing. I give them the trends. I give them the ideas. I give them the strategy, but they have to post it and edit it. And then something I've recently started doing, which I'm kind of doing some pitches on now, I just started offering this this month is um, me being the face of the brand um, and actually just creating those TikToks for them. That doesn't really work well for like coaches or people that they're the face of their brand, but more like software and things like think um, if you're on TikTok, think of like the Duolingo person, like they have a a mascot, not like I'm going to put on an outfit, um, but they have like a person or a thing that is the representative of their account. And a lot of uh, businesses are finding themselves in need of that because they don't have one person. Like if you're a restaurant or if you're a retail company, like you have so many employees, like who's going to run the TikTok, right? Exactly. I love that. So done for you, done with you, and then DIY. That is really, really awesome. So how often are you sending those people who opt into the option of, Hey, create the scripts for me, the reels, the trending audio, send that over to me. Like how often do they get that deliverable from you? So I send um, for DIY, I send them and like literally you guys, I made this up. I like, made the whole thing up. I think other people do it differently. I think some people aren't doing it at all, but literally, so I send them, I send them scripts for content. They can do anytime, every single month, at least 30, um, usually more just because I love coming up with ideas. I think it's super fun. Um, and then at least 30. At least 30, yeah, every month. Um, because they, because like, here's the thing, something's not going to land with people. So that's fine. Um, and then every week, and I can do this because I have multiple clients. I, every week, every Sunday, and this is like a fun thing for me. Um, every Sunday, I just look up trends and I'm like, okay, this trend can work really well with this client. This trend works really well for me. This trend works really well for somebody else. And so then every single week, I send trending ideas. Um, and so, but they also um, can get like the caption and the hashtags and stuff like that. And that type of thing is super helpful for people. And then once a month, um, we either do like a Voxer, like, like a walkie talkie check-in, or we do like a call where I'm saying, okay, like this, these are ways in which you can improve the thing that you're doing since you're doing it yourself. Um, these are like small tweaks in order to get your content more seen, basically. That is really awesome. So basically like auditing the content, telling them, hey, this is what's working, double down, or here's where you need to improve. That's that's really, really great. So do you find that a lot of people, um, or it's more so what do you offer? So are you putting them on retainer? Like, hey, when you book on with me, it's a three-month minimum commitment, or how does that work pretty much when they sign on with you? So with the done with, so whenever I just did social media management in general, I just did month to month, different people have different opinions on this. By the way, if you're ever doing freelance work, always get paid up front like that month to month, like I already got paid. Okay. <laughs> already got paid. Um, but um, I just required a 14 day cancellation notice and that's it because, and it really wasn't for them as much. It was like, it was more for me. Like if I didn't want to work with that client anymore, I didn't want to have to work with them for three months. Um, but also like, I want to deliver with excellence. And so if you're not happy, that's totally fine. Um, now with TikTok, I do want, especially if we're doing that, like done with you or done for you, I want a three month contract just for the fact that a lot of them are starting from zero. In that first couple of months, it takes a lot of momentum and a lot, a lot of trying little things to see what actually works for their audience. And so the first month, it's really like, 
trying to figure it out. And then the second month, we're optimizing a little bit. And the third month is actually when I tend to see people's accounts actually be growing a lot. And for me to figure out what's working and for them to be happier with the results and feel like, wow, this is actually working. Um, and so for them, I do want a three month contract just for the fact that like, I want them to be able to see the results before they make the decision on whether or not this is worth it for them. Um, but like the, the scripts and stuff is just month to month. That's totally fine. Um, but for me, like I just go with like whatever feels right. And that's what feels right for me. Um, because you know, I don't, I would never want somebody to be like, oh, I want to cancel working with this person, but I have to work for them like two more months. It's kind of like one of those things. Like I wouldn't, as an admin, I wouldn't want a teacher to be like, oh, like I just want to wait it out to my retirement because this is the only thing I can do. Like, man, stupid kids. Like nobody wants somebody in a place in which they don't want to be. 100% that's true. It does need to be mutual for, mm -hmm. for success too. And just to enjoy the process overall. Yeah. And so, um, so when you're doing this and you're saying like for the two options where you said it will be three months so that they can really see the success because they are starting from zero, mm -hmm. your advice to them is you need to be posting every day or you need to be hitting at least, you know, 30 days. Well, most months have 30 or 31 days or so. Like how often are you telling them post on this account? So for me, like when I do it with people, like I'm the one posting for them. Now, if they could make five pieces of content a day for me to post, fine. That's not realistic for most people, especially large business owners. I do tend to work with like larger business owners and authors, like in coaches and people that own big businesses. They don't have time to do that. That's fine. Um, so we usually do um, one or two posts a day is usually what is in our contract. And then I'm sending them the trends every week. So that's why I say if you if you are so inspired to like throw in another post there or answer a question, I do give them like an instructional video on how to use TikTok. Um, some of them do it. Some of them don't. It's just an option for them. Obviously, the more you can post, the better. Um, but usually those clients, the reason they want you to do it for them is because they don't have the time to do it themselves. Now, clients that I'm coaching, um, I say like at least once a day, because I feel like that is actually doable for people to do sustainably. Whereas if I, if I suggest three to five a day, which is like a massive growth mode or above five, people are like burning out like crazy. And then they'll post five TikToks a day and they'll disappear for three weeks. So I find that like start with one a day and then we can move up to two and then we can move up to three. Like sometimes I, and, and also that there's seasons of growth, right? So sometimes I'm actually posting five times a day and dur during se certain seasons. And sometimes I'm posting once a day because that's what I can tangibly do. So I think the consistency is better than the quantity, but also... I do think like you can post five TikToks a day and then be really crappy TikToks that don't land with anybody. Like they actually need to be things that are strategic in the way in which you're showing up and not just with trends, but also with other types of value. And so that's why I do lead with the evergreen value first, because most of the people I work for are educators in some kind of sense, whether them be like in the coaching industry or teaching some kind of something. And so I'm like, okay, let's lead with education. And if we can throw in some trends, that's great. Um, but I find that a lot of people screw up on TikTok because they're only doing trends and they're not actually giving people the meat. Um, and so they're not growing as fast as they probably could be because they are just kind of leaning on the things that are popular. 100%. And it definitely depends on like what their goals are at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Like for me, I think about like even the TikTok that I created for my podcast. Well, you know, the goal is there just to increase awareness and visibility. So mm -hmm. to be honest, I'm hitting trends all day. I'm not really, and, and this is how you resign. For, you know, like that's not really my take because my podcast is all about sharing stories, sharing stories. So that's a part mm -hmm. of my strategy. Whereas um, 
you know, you're a business owner, you're trying to convert leads for your service, then you you definitely need to be a, some type of thought leader in your industry and trends aren't going to get you there just hopping on that. Well, and that's like super important too, is like start with the goal in mind, right? Um, because for me, like right now I am developing a course. So I do want people to come with me for education, but I need the awareness because I also do influencer marketing. And so for me, like I do a little bit of both. Whereas my clients, like they don't really care about the brand awareness as much as they care about the people that exist in their ecosystem, actually converting and actually clicking with things. And so, yeah, it's all about like brand awareness and like, or the kind of with the goal in mind, because if your goal is to be like an influencer, then you want awareness over education all day, every day. And so, and if you have a podcast or if you have something that you just want to draw attention to, um, a product, for example, even, um, then a lot of the times that is going to get you there. And so there are different types of content that work for different types of people. And I think that's why people struggle so much with like offering TikTok as a service because it's so new that people don't understand it. But here's kind of the cool thing too, is like, I, I really had imposter syndrome when I started so bad because I didn't have a marketing degree. Um, I didn't have that much experience besides teacher talk and teacher gram. Like I didn't really have that much experience, but it's all about like the principles of like what works, but also being able to tweak things as you go. And truthfully, like who is a TikTok expert? Like it's been around for like two and a half years. So like, I mean, I don't call myself an expert. I think you have to be doing something for five or like five to 10 years in order to be at an expert level of it with like dedicated time and effort. But like, there's not that many people that are going to be like, in the space to be like this mega expert on it. And even with Instagram, it's always changing. And so this is a space in which you can come into. And a lot of the times, like the people that are in it as a career and as a job, they're the ones that are actually staying stagnant and they're the ones that aren't implementing new things. And so they're the ones that people are actually struggling with versus people that are new to the field and can actually see things from a fresh perspective, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, 100% it does. Um, yeah, TikTok is so new. And that's why, you know, you have a leg up because a lot of these people, they don't know how to utilize this platform. You're like, Hi, I've been here. I'm ready. You know, I can help you achieve those goals. So I would love to know, um, like, did you take a specific course or what did you do to get into the social media management? Like, how did you, was it truly you just kind of like self-taught or did you take any kind of course or get any product to support you with that transition from the VA to the SMM? So it's interesting. I am a hundred percent like I will invest in myself if I feel like I can get the, the return on it. And so for me, like I was okay with investing at every stage with the thing that I needed because I knew that it would help me grow. Because if you're thinking about like in general, like going back to school and getting a whole other degree, for example, like the, the cost and return of that is going to be way diminished versus like, okay, I need to learn how to do this skill to make money. Like how can I learn how to do the skill? So there are multiple different levels of how I did that. So I did invest in, at the time it was $40. This Right now, I think it's like over 200. You can find her course in my bio. Her name is Aubrey Malik. She's great. I will recommend her to anybody who wants to be a VA. So I took her course and that gave me a really solid base um, of like how to find freelance, like freelance clients and how to set up my business. Um, but then like, th that's not like, she wasn't a social media manager. And so I was like, okay, now I need somebody that's a social media manager that can help somebody scale more. Cause I had scaled a decent amount. Like I had surpassed my teach teaching salary. I felt really comfortable, but I knew that I wanted to do more social media management and I didn't really know how. Um, and so Rachel Peterson, um, who is my mentor, who I love so much. She has so many free resources. She has a free course called social media United. 
Um, always down with it. It's like very much like DIY and do it yourself, but it has a lot of resources that actually got me to the next step. And like what I'm creating now is really a fusion of like the things that I learned from them. But also, by the way, if you're in social media, like you learn things consistently if you're going out and searching for those answers. So like for me, I listen to podcasts. I follow um, people in which I respect their opinion on social media um, because they give a lot of free value. I look up things on YouTube. I, if I'm struggling with a specific thing, I will find a mini course to take on it. Um, so like for me, like I'm kind of combining all of those things into what I'm creating, but in general, like, like investing in small little pockets of mentorship is super wise because for example, the $40 course I took back when I started, um, I made that back in like two hours of working. Um, and for me, like now I do, I am in a high level mentorship. Rachel Peterson is my mentor. It is not a cheap mentorship, but I was able to double my, um, like I, I was able to invest in that once I got to a certain point. Cause I knew that I was at the certain point, like I work for clients every single day. Like how can I earn more passive income? And that's what I needed to learn. And so I invested in her, even though it's expensive, but my income has exploded. And so it's just about like those little strategic things about like, and the thing that I struggle with or the thing that I think teachers struggle with the most when it comes to this is not like investing in themselves because we all are very much like we love to like not all, but like a lot of us love to learn. Um, and so it's not about like learning the thing that you need to know. It's about the belief in yourself and the investment in yourself and the self-belief that like I am going to invest in this thing because I know that I am going to take action and I know, I believe in myself enough to know that like, this is actually going to be a return for me. And even if it doesn't work out, that I'm going to be able to take these same skills and transfer them in a different way. And so the biggest shift and the biggest struggle that I think I've had since I left teaching is not like actually figuring out the X, Y, Z. That was really helpful to have the step-by-step. And I did mean to invest in those things, but really the biggest challenge that I've constantly come up against is like these mental blocks of like, this isn't me. This isn't enough. I'm not enough. I can't do this. Um, who am I to like be running a business and like hire an assistant? Like those types of things have been harder for me and have taken more time and work and effort and mindset work than actually learning how to do the thing. And I think that that's why um, the first thing I recommend when teachers are like, I want to leave the profession. I'm like, if you can possibly at all afford it, I know that this is a privileged thing. Um, but I, I got a therapist two months before I left. Um, and I already was working with a therapist, but we were like up in our sessions. Right. And, um, I also really delved into mindset books and mindset podcasts and any kind of positive, like anything I gave into my brain space. That's what I was doing. And honestly, that's good. If you're struggling in the teaching field anyway, is like literally working on your mind, but working on your self-belief because mindset, if you don't have that in place, like you're not going to be able to find clients because you're going to feel like, Oh, like, why would you hire me anyway? So, I mean, that's like where I feel like a lot of freelancers and teachers particularly hold themselves up because we've been kind of fed this story that like the only thing we can do is teaching. You know what I mean? 100%. And um, I like what you said about mindset because if you're going into this freelance work too, you have to understand that you have bills to pay. And so you need to be able to charge what you can do in order to sustain your lifestyle and to meet your needs. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people who are over here charging $2 on TPT for product, we, we got to up the rates, you know, we have to. And of course, that's the maximum value that you're able to um, give to your 
client or the transformation you're able to make, but it starts with belief, right? If you feel like you're only good enough to sell this $2 TPT product, then that's you. And I know people, there are some people who are doing fabulously with those $2 TPT products, but you know, that's a smaller percentage rather than some people who are maybe charging more for another, like a service or course or coaching, like you're mentioning and are able to, you know, reach their, what they need for their income with like two or three clients, you know? So got to think about that as well for those who are listening in. And I love how you talked about Rachel Peterson. I discovered her maybe a few months ago, like maybe towards the end of 2021. I don't know. Cause I'm in her group. I'm in her group, her TikTok group. And I literally, I love her group so very much. And I'm like, okay, so how did you end up discovering Rachel for yourself? And please tell us a little bit more about what all entails in the mentorship that you're in with her. Oh my goodness. So um, like a little bit about too is like charging was actually the hardest thing for me. And that's actually why I kept needing to invest in masterminds and groups because every single time I had a prospective client, I would be like, oh my gosh, what do I charge? Like, oh my gosh, what do I charge? What do I charge them? How do I charge them? I always, when I started, by the way, if you ever start freelancing, whatever you're thinking, basically double it because it's too low. Um, And so like, I literally, and I started working with Rachel in September um, and like in a one-on-one mentorship capacity, like she has a mentorship group called The Click. Um, And so I started working with her then. um, And at that time I had eight clients and I was making probably two, grand less than what I make currently. Now I have three clients, um, actually two. Um, and I make more, uh, through other forms of income, through influencer marketing, through actually less hours, more time on my own business. And so it's very interesting. And like, it's not only the, like, even like when I, um, invested in like my VA prep course or whatever, like there was like a little Facebook group where you could ask questions. And for me, it was like being able to say like, what do I charge? And like, what, like, and seeing what other people are doing, because it wasn't until I actually joined Rachel's mastermind that I saw other people and what they were charging. It was almost triple to quadruple what I was charging. And it wasn't something I could just be like, I'm charging this now because I had bills to pay. Right. Um, but I was like, okay, like I can get there. And now I have the self-belief that like, I do good enough work to be able to charge these prices. Um, and if blank can do it, then I can do it. And I think that's actually the goal of that. So Rachel's, um, mastermind. So her, so in general, the reason I always recommend Rachel to people is because she has a ton of free resources. Like if, if it exists, like she gives so much for free. Um, and then her, even like the reason I, kind of found out about her was because I was looking for a solution in social media management. I think I found her like on TikTok or something. And I got into like her little ecosystem. She had a free week long challenge. I took her free week long challenge. Um, she had like a two day um, like accelerator. I took her two day accelerator. It was like $39 or something. And at the end of that, they had applications for her mastermind. And so I did the application for a mastermind. It's expensive. I'm not going to lie. Um, but what it is in it is basically like her entire bank of all the stuff that she works with clients on. Um, it's endless value. But the number one thing that has actually helped me is being in the community with the people. And so if I have a question with about like copywriting or if I have a question about marketing or website design or something, then I have people there specifically to ask their experts in their field. And that has been the biggest game changer. But then also we have um, we have four meetups a year, like in country, um, at least one out of country. So I'm going to Spain. Um, in May. So that's really cool. Um, and so it's really just given me like 
the self-belief though. And I think that whoever you invest in to help you with whatever, like that's what you should really look for in it is not always necessarily like, when am I going to make back this money with X, which by the way, I did every single course or anything that I've invested in, I've made it back the very next month, if not sooner. Um, but it's really like, how can this shift my mindset in order to like have the belief that I can act as if like, can I act as if I'm a six figure business owner? Because like I was not in business and like me saying now that I own a business, like I have a corporation, I have an assistant, I have like QuickBooks, like that is crazy to me because like I'm not a person that's in business. And so I needed to surround myself with people that knew those things and that could like help me up level in those ways. Wow. I love that. Spain. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm excited. I know this was an investment, but I do know that Rachel is very good at what she does and you mm-hmm. will see the results. If I'm sure you have already. So yeah. and start small, like with investments, start, start small. And then as you like, I always tell myself, like, I, I kind of like creep on people and creep on courses. And so I'm like, if I can make this amount of money, this is kind of the cool thing about being able to do more things for money. <laughs> if I can make this amount of money, then I can invest in this thing. Like I said, if I could make X amount of money by December, if I could, I, I'll tell you, if I could hit a 10K month by December, then I was going to book my trip to Spain. So I booked my trip to Spain. And so, I mean, those types of landmarks were really helpful for me also. Yes. And you have shared that you are a six figure um, entrepreneur, right? Yeah, it's crazy. I love that. I love hearing that. That is so Mm -hmm. amazing. And so for those, you know, tuning in right now, if it's possible for Allison to do it, she's living proof. She was right in your position. She was a former teacher. Look at what she's doing now. I mean, living an amazing life at this point, post-teaching, happy, thriving in her business. And so that's available to you. So you have permission to choose, you know, which way you want to go. You can stay where you're at or you can try taking that risk and doing something different. And you will probably have great results as long as you're committed to the work. So I would love to know what are some of your holy grail resources that you often use um, for your work as, you know, a social media manager specializing in TikTok and Reels? What are your tools? If you go to the link in any of my social media bios, I have a section that says tools for teachers. And this is literally like, if I were to, because here's the thing, I'm a social media manager, but I'm not the person to help you with your resume. I'm just not like, I didn't, I didn't get another job Um, that was, that required a resume. My resumes and my portfolios look very different. Um, Anyway, so I, I have a person that I trust that, that I know that helps people with resumes. I have a person that I trust that I know helps people get into X positions that helps people with VA. So that's tools for teachers that can help you with whatever you need. Right. But um, I also have like tools for social media managers, which I think are super helpful. Um, They're also linked in my bio, but Metricool is my number one. I'm working with them now in some capacities because I love them so much. I use it every day, but basically it's a social media scheduler as a robust free version. So I love that. Um, But also I love a bunch of free apps like CapCut or InShot or things that you can find directly on your phone that are completely free. Like now my business expenses, I'm going to be honest, my business expenses are two grand a month. When I started, my business expenses were $30 a month. So like let's be real. Like you can actually do this and not have very much business, like hardly any business expenses. Um, and so I use Dubsado for like my clients. Cause I, you can put like contracts in them and things like that. I learned how to do that through their website. It was not that hard. I still don't have a website by the way. And so, I mean, I think that just so you know, like it can literally be a $30 a month situation or a very expensive situation. And 
like you can start small and then be able to invest in things that make your life easier. Okay. Um, so now I invest in like apps to repurpose things and I invest in like hashtag strategy apps and I invest in business mentorship. And those were not things that I invested in when I started. Um, but yeah, you can find all those things via the link in my bio. Um, but also I definitely recommend like if you're curious about this, and this is something I wish I would have done because I didn't. And I, I literally, I worked at a restaurant. I did painting classes after school. I did the MLM world for a while. Um, I did all types of things to earn money outside of teaching. Um, and I wish I would have known about this because number one, I could have tried it out and seen if I liked it. Um, but number two, like you can have one client. You can have two clients. You can see if you like it. You can you can kind of test out that, but also you can do it from home on your butt, which I really love. And you can do it during the summer. And that's why I think that this is so powerful because it can really actually fit where you're at without you having to be like, I quit. Like, bye um, tomorrow, like I did, which is which feels risky. And I can say from a privilege standpoint, I do have family support. I do have my husband support. He doesn't make a ton of money, but I knew that like it wasn't we weren't gonna be out of a home. Um, and I did have insurance through him. And so I always preface with like, I don't have children. And so I know that you have to have these like little moments with yourself where you can either test things out or where you can make income in a different way. I was able to pay off my debt because of like some of the um, pandemic money and like saving and stuff during that. Um, and so those are all privileged spaces. And so you have to kind of work through each of those to where like where it makes sense for you in your life. And for me, if I didn't have all those roadblocks, I probably would have tried it part time a little bit sooner, or at least tried it for the whole summer before I quit my job. So that's always another option. That is so good. So thank you for um, sharing all those tools with us. Um, all of that will be linked down below in um, the show notes where you can access her page that has consolidated up everything that she's offering and what she just shared with you all. And I would love to um, have you share, Allison, where can these listeners, these teachers who are contemplating leaving the profession or the teachers who have already quit but still haven't determined their next step, where can they connect with you online to learn more about social media management? Yes. So I'm at Al Meets Social, um, al.meets.social. I know it'll be in the show notes, but it's on TikTok and Instagram. Um, and to be honest, like if you have a question, just reach out to me on Instagram and I'll either answer it or I'll make some free content about it. But to be truthful, like I really, even if social media management isn't your thing, if I know like you want to leave teaching and this is how you want to leave, like I can try to direct you to somebody who does because I think like there is this weird like former teacher space where like people are doing all these different things and people don't know what to choose. Um, but also like, I think we can all work together and like, okay, if you want to stay in the classroom, here are great options to like beef up your mindset. And if you don't here are multiple different options for things that you can take, because when I first decided to start Googling, what can I do with a teaching degree? Like years ago, um, besides teaching, I know that a lot of people listening have probably done that. Then I didn't have any, I have like one option or two options and I want there to be lots of options for people. So definitely reach out. Um, because that's like why I want to stay in this like teacher space is to really help support people that were like me that didn't think it was possible for them. Love that. Thank you so much, Allison. This has been yeah. amazing. Thank you for listening to the Teachers Who Quit podcast. Keep listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe and leave us a review to get a shout out on our socials. And remember to shamelessly choose you.